Do your diligence on the property. Sure, that's a given. But do more diligence on the team that's running the asset. What is their track record? What monthly newsletters do they send out? Does it give financials? Does it give enough details? Let's get ready to scale. guys, thanks for joining us for yet another episode of Ready to Sale. I'm Jeanette, and joining me today is Ginny Gu. Ginny is the managing partner at Vertical Street Ventures, where she leads the VSB Multifamily Academy. She's been an active investor since 2018. Prior to VSB, she was a sales director at Procter & Gamble, designing and implementing national sales strategies for major brands like Dawn, Cascade, and Swiffer. Ginny received her bachelor's in business management at the University of Arizona and her MBA at the University of Minnesota. She is the co-author of The Overnight Millionaire, and she is a busy mom of two coming to us today from Southern California. Ginny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeanette. Yeah, very happy to have you. It's um, impressively quiet in the background there. Considering you're a busy mom of two, how old are your kiddos? I've got a nine-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter. I swear, I think she's going on 15 already. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's how uh, young girls are these days. I know I have three of them. So, uh, but luckily they're older. I will say that. But anyway, um, you know, I think it's, I think your story is really interesting. It's kind of similar to mine where you did basically a complete career shift and a pivot midway through a really successful career. So I'm curious, you know, what is it that drove you to do that? And how did you find yourself having the opportunity? I think it's something people really um, are interested in possibly having for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I spent 13 wonderful years at Procter & Gamble. So I don't want anyone to think I hated my job and I was ready to to leave at any given moment. Um, Things just happened for a reason. And part of our reason was we wanted to focus more on our family. And we had two very demanding uh, heavy jobs. Both of us worked at Procter and Gamble and we were traveling a lot and we were working many hours. And, you know, one of the, the, the moments that came to me as a light bulb was just when my son asked me if I was going to chaperone one of his uh, field trips at school. He was in preschool at the time. And I said, no, unfortunately, you know, mom's busy. He was just, oh, come on. All the other moms always go. And ugh, it just, you know, one of those moments. And Um, that coupled with a couple other life events that just made us really want to prioritize. And so like many others, we started with single family, uh, long-term rentals and quickly realized that this was the place that we needed to be to, to have the lifestyle we wanted and quickly learned about multifamily. And then in early 2020, I left my, my very good successful career in corporate America and jumped over headfirst into multifamily. Wow, that is brave uh, and very bold of you, um, for sure. How did you essentially equip yourself to make that transition? And did you find key partners or mentors? How did you position yourself, you know, to make sure that you were positioned to succeed and not fail? Yeah, so before we decided that I would leave my job at P&G, we obviously needed to financially plan our way there. And so the income generated from our single families, we ended up having about 10 before I decided to leave, um, gave enough income to supplement um, what Ronnie was still making at Procter & Gamble. So he was the one that decided to stay. I decided to leave. So financially, 
we were still sound from an expenses standpoint. Okay, so we were pretty much financially independent in terms of the single family side. Um, but when I left PNG, I actually left before buying a single multifamily door. Okay, which is probably a little backwards and what I would recommend most people to do. Um, but that was how committed we were to this industry and how much um, we saw the, the opportunity to be. So when I left, I found a mentor um, and he, so his name is Steve Louie, who's now co-founder and partner at, at Vertical Street Ventures. But I found somebody who I knew I could add value to, that I wasn't going to be a time suck, um, that I could help in any way that I can while accelerating my learning as fast as I could. And so we spent the better half of the COVID lockdown year, I'll say, um, in 2020, where I helped him manage his uh, properties in Arizona. And then we constantly underwrote deals every single day together and then was able to partner by the end of the year. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, what advice would you give to someone that is wanting to go out and create that same opportunity for themselves? How do you find a partner? I would say go to these conferences. Now that we're back live in person, they are phenomenal to meet people who are in the same boat as you, who have probably the different skill set that you don't have and need to round out your team. Think, so conferences is one. Um, local meetups, even virtual meetups are still happening. Those are phenomenal to find people across the country. Um, listen to podcasts. Um, you know, read books. I think these are all kind of common sense things, but I would say the number one way is to just go out to these types of conferences. I went to one last week, um, met Ellie there as well there. Um, and again, just connected with like-minded people, generated many ideas, but then also potential networking and partnerships in the future. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, great advice. I know that it's easier said than done. Um, you know, a lot of people have reached out to Ellie over the years wanting to know if you know, if she would be open to, uh, you know, mentoring them and she used to have a program years ago, um, you know, but it's hard to really be able to find someone that does have uh, that openness and that availability for, or that even that need for someone else to come in. Um, so it is, I think, easier said than done. Um, but I love the fact that your story proves that it is possible. And it's just a matter of really building out your network enough to be able to find those opportunities and then, you know, really seize them when you can. Now, I know you said that you guys kicked around a lot of different ideas and you have a really interesting structure to the way that you have set up VSV. Uh, will you kind of share what that's like for our listeners so they can understand all the different ways you can actually build these things? Absolutely. Um, so we've built the company now. We actually have three different companies at VSV. The first is obviously the, the apartment syndication side of the business where we're still finding deals, raising capital, running the properties after we purchase it. Our second business is uh, a CPA firm. Uh, so we brought on a partner, Kiyoshi Simon, who is a CPA by trade, um, and he runs our VSV CPA side of the business. And that's been flourishing since we, we launched that last year. Um, and then the third is uh, the coaching business. So I lead our multifamily academy where we teach other people how to be active syndicators in the place. And um, I'm sure you would say the same thing, Jeanette, but, you know, I wished I learned about real estate 20 years ago. I think that we would be in a much different space. And I see young, young adults these days, 18, 19, 20 year olds, some that went to our conference a couple of weeks ago. And I just applaud them so much for starting so young and having the foresight to jump into something like real estate. So um, the Academy's focus is to help others do what we do and accelerate their journey into financial independence as well. 
That's great. Uh, very interesting uh, model. Uh, I can definitely see a lot of benefits, uh, both from probably, um, you know, internal operations to also benefits for obviously your investors. Um, it, it's just very unique. I think it's very cool that you set it up that way. Now, before we uh, kind of jump into the next segment of the show, which is going to actually focus on capital raising in today's market, because I know that that is something that is very much on people's minds. Let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsor. Ready to Scale is brought to you by Blue Lake Capital, where we hunt down the best multifamily investment opportunities that we can find and invite investors to join in with us. We target Class B value-add multifamily properties across the Sun Belt. Our CEO, Ellie Perlman, invests a substantial amount of capital into every deal. This means our interests are aligned with yours. If you're an accredited investor looking to expand your portfolio and diversify sponsors, be sure to visit us at bluelake-capital.com. Blue Lake Capital. Be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. All right. So, Ginny, let's get into it. Now, before we hit record, right, we were chatting offline for a few minutes. And I said, you know, that I had noticed in your portfolio that you have some smaller size assets around 50 units or so, uh, all the way up to, you know, like 250 units. And, you know, you shared with me that this is kind of one of the benefits of the the students that attend uh, basically your program and the fact that you actually partner with some of them, which I think is great. So I'm sure that I think now, far more than a year ago, far more than three years ago, five years ago, capital raising is is much more intimidating in today's economy than it was, you know, just six months ago. So what kind of advice are you giving your students um, and what what tips and tricks, you know, and strategies are you suggesting that they implement uh, if they're trying to get started in a market like we have right now? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the rule of thumbs we first and foremost tell our students, especially on their first, even second raise, is if you think you can raise a certain number, it's really 50%. Slice it in half. So if you think you can raise a million, it's your first or second raise, I would say, realistically, you could probably raise about half a million dollars. And the, the reason is people just don't know. And um, without doing your first one, sure, people can give you soft commits, but until you actually call them and try to get them to sign on the dotted line, about half of them actually come in. So that's the eye-opening part that I just want to put in front of them first so they can lower their expectations. Um, But really some tips and tricks that we typically give our students is, you know, today, where do you find your capital? You know, it's by starting with your avatar. We tell them, figure out who you attract Right. Who are the type of investors you attract? And most oftentimes it's people who are similar to your background, your experience, because they relate to you and then figure out a way to market to them. So whether it's, um, you know, using social media or a newsletter or even if you start with just your friends and family, because typically most people start their first raise with people they know, figure out by figuring out who your avatar is, you can tweak and tailor the message so that you are hitting all of their key needs and answering all of their questions in the right way. Um, so I think that's the, the, one of the biggest tips we tell our students is figure out your avatar so that you can customize your communication and approach to them. Yeah, that's very good advice. Uh, definitely. Now, I will say, um, you know, I'm not sure if you saw the article that came out in the Wall Street Journal this morning 
Um, I'm sure many of our listeners, you know, uh, probably have heard it by now. But, you know, I will say that there's also a tremendous amount of responsibility that goes along with raising capital. And I think that sometimes, you know, that's something that really needs to be, um, you know, kind of elevated in the conversation, which is, it's a tremendous honor to be able to actually raise capital. And it's a tremendous duty and responsibility. So what type of advice do you give your students on recognizing uh, the gravity, you know, of, of, of raising capital from other people and being responsible for, you know, deploying it in a way that, you know, uh, protects them and, you know, protects their investors and is done with integrity and ideally very nice returns. <laughs> yeah. And it's unfortunate what we've seen in the news and what we've seen happen across the country. But, you know, when we, one of the fundamental principles we tell our students is, especially if they're focused on the capital raising side is to know your sponsorship team. Okay. If they're not leading the project and they're investing their capital and their investors funding into somebody else's deal, you have to do your diligence in the team that is leading the project. And this goes for really anybody, not just our capital raisers. Um, but, you know, the experience, every deal, if you look across the market today, almost all of the numbers and the returns are identical, if not very similar. Everyone's going to have similar numbers, whether it's in Arizona or Georgia or North Carolina. So who are you? What are you investing in? You're investing in the team that is managing the asset. So I always tell, even I tell our current investors this as well as they look to broaden their portfolio. Do your diligence on the property. Sure, that's a given. But do more diligence on the team that's running the asset. What is their track record? What monthly newsletters do they send out? Does it give financials? Does it give enough details? I've gotten newsletters with maybe two sentences, which is not acceptable. Um, and then also I ask for referrals, right? So for the new sponsor that I'm investing in, can you give me a name or two of your current investor list? I would love to talk to them and get a feel for what their experience has been. So really, you know, when, you know, our students go out and capital raise, I tell them you might not be running the property, but you better know what that team is doing. And you better be able to answer the questions because your investor is going to ask you those hard questions. Yeah, absolutely. Very good advice. I also do the same. And, um, and I also also, you know, bring up uh, what I think is a really important factor too, which is if the sponsor is putting money in, into the deal themselves also, yes. if the interests are, are mutually aligned, I think that's, that's also really important. And that's what I, you know, generally will advise investors uh, when I'm speaking to them too, about, you know, uh, basically doing their due diligence and selecting sponsors that they're going to diversify with. Absolutely. So yeah, I definitely agree with you for sure. Um, now, you know, going back to kind of the fact that we were talking about your portfolio earlier and, you know, it kind of varies. I'm curious, um, you know, first of all, why have you decided to to focus on three different basically verticals right in your company? And how does that impact your investment criteria and the way that you're managing basically the assets? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, our first business was the syndication one, um, and we quickly grew that um, to about now we have about 350 million of assets under management. Um, we started the Academy Next, and that one really was our passion in terms of a way to turn behind and lead people, pull people forward, kind of our way to give back, because we actually had a lot of people come to us and say, hey, Jenny and Steve and team, like, how did you get in so quickly? How did you grow and, you know, show us the way, and, you know, we just didn't have 100 hours in a week to, to dedicate to that. So we figured out to, to create a coaching program that would allow us to touch and help as many people as we could. And that really kind of expanded our horizons in terms of doing a project that 
could really impact other people. Okay, so we, we have so much passion for that. Um, and the reason we created the CPA firm was, you know, we met Kiyoshi again through a, a meetup um, and just kick, hit it off with him. And, you know, we said, you know, a CPA firm that's real estate investor focused makes sense for us to expand into because we have all these investors who are looking for a CPA that can help them maximize their tax savings. We have an academy full of students who could use the advice and could actually be clients of the CPA firm as well. Um, and then we know a whole bunch of other syndicators in this space that are looking for a good CPA that's focused on real estate. So it just made sense in terms of strategy to develop these three together. And that's what we decided to do. Yeah, it's uh, it's genius. I have to admit that um, I probably annoy our CPA at least five to ten times a week. Um, you know, he's probably glad he doesn't office anywhere near me. Uh, <laughs> but it's very smart, a very good approach. So, what else is on the horizon for you all? Uh, well, all three businesses are, are rocking and rolling. Um, you know, we have a fund that we're currently raising for. You know, last year VSV purchased, I believe, seven deals altogether. This year, we're just now starting on our first two under contract. So it's definitely been a slower first half for our first quarter of the year. Um, just I think everybody's kind of in the same boat, being patient, waiting for the right deals, not rushing into anything. Um, but we expect things to ramp up in the next six months. So this fund eventually will house six to 10 properties across Arizona and Texas. Um, and then CPA business, I would say, you know, there's certain seasons that are very heavy. So we're done with the spring season and we're going to ramp up for fall soon. Um, but I, you know, my main focus these days is the academy and just adding as much value as I can for our students so that they're making the right choices and they're geared up and ready to go when things start to really ramp up in six months. Nice, nice. Um, before we kind of wrap up the episode, I think I'll also touch on something that as uh, very often we really don't talk about, which is you're a mom, you're a business owner, you are juggling a lot of responsibilities, and that's a lot of demand on you as one, one woman, one person. So, you know, what advice would you give uh, to listeners as far as, you know, how you structure and manage your time, your responsibilities, your priorities? It's a lot. And, you know, it's, it's, it's far easier said than it is actually done, of course. So yes. what are some of your pro tips? Yeah, you know, and it's funny, I when I worked at P&G in corporate America, this was also a very common question and topic. You're a busy executive at P&G and how do you juggle a heavy career with kids? And I would say a couple things that work for me. Um, one, have a good supporting significant other. Okay, so it's not just me. I, and I know it appears that I do it all. I don't. I, I have a husband, Ronnie, who is so focused on making sure everything works for everybody. Um, so it's definitely a partnership. I think for me specifically, managing just one calendar. So there's no, and, and realizing that there is no uh, work-life balance. And I say that in a sense to mean, you know, I manage one calendar. I don't have a calendar for personal. I don't have a separate calendar for work. Everything's merged together. And it's all a matter of priorities. So when you can prioritize what's most important, everything that's not important will fall off and you'll magically have time. So I always push back on people when they say, oh, I didn't have time or I couldn't get to it. No, what you're really saying is it wasn't important to you. You didn't prioritize it. So, and that's okay. As long as you're focusing on things you are prioritizing and just don't make excuses for it. So um, yeah, I would say manage one calendar, have find the right partner. Cause you know, while we think we can do it 
all we can, but we don't have to. Um, and then just give yourself a break. <laughs> you know, it's okay if you don't get everything done and you don't have everything perfect. Um, I, I try to give myself a break and give myself the okay to not be on all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. I have uh, four children uh, that are almost all now grown, but um, definitely good advice. I think being gracious to yourself is a must. I think uh, saving space and time for yourself is also really important. Um, you know, you can't, as they say, you know, pour from an empty cup. Uh, so uh, mm -hmm. definitely, you know, I think those are all great, you know, pieces of advice for a lot of busy professionals out there that quote are trying to quote, have it all, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, this is a great segue into actually what we call our lightning round questions, which are five questions that I ask all of our guests. So are you ready? Let's do it. The first one might seem almost laughable, but I'm hoping you have an answer, which is what do you actually do for fun? What is a hobby for you? I actually love reading. Um, and I'm one of those people that still like the paper books, you know, the one that you turn. <laughs> um, I can, I got a Kindle and I did things online. I just, there's something about holding a physical book that I just feel so satisfying and turning the page and finishing it um, and having it there in front of me. So yeah, reading, I enjoy. And I try to do that every day um, when I wake up and when I go to bed. Nice. Okay. And what is something that most people don't know about you? I would say um, I'm actually an immigrant. My parents were refugees and I was born in a refugee camp. Um, so Lots to tell about that, but I would say in general, that's contributed to why I work so hard um, to, you know, achieve this American dream that I've, you know, created for myself. Wow. We could have absolutely had a whole episode about that. We'll have to bring <laughs> you back and, yeah. and learn, you know, all about that story. That's incredible. So, wow. Amazing. Um, all right. What about as far as books? What book would you recommend, especially being the avid reader you are, that, you know, all investors should at least include in their library? Yeah. Um, so two books that I always recommend, I finished these last year is the first one is Atomic Habits. So getting clear on what new habits you want to bring on and how to cut out the ones that are bad. I think that's super important, especially when we're so busy. Um, and the second book is the Who Not How book. So immediately after reading that one, we went and hired our first virtual assistant to help with stuff that was repetitive and stuff we didn't want to do. Um, so those two books I constantly recommend to people. Yeah, excellent, excellent. We're a big fan of the Who Hiring Guide here at Blue Lake. That's uh, very yes. important to have the right people uh, yes. you know, doing the right things. Yeah, definitely. All right. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about too a lot at Blue Lake is it's not just about money. You know, it's, it's about so much more. It's, it's really about living an extraordinary life, you know, based on obviously, you know, your terms and what that means to somebody. So what is your advice for building an extraordinary life? I would say, you know, just this goes back to priority. What figure out your why, prioritize it, and then just block it out and make it happen. So my example is we said our why was going to be being close to family because we were just done living in the Midwest with no family around us. We picked up our stuff and we moved across the country back to L.A., um, and, and I'm summarizing a lot of that. It took a span of, you know, a year and a half to make it happen, but we were so crystal clear on what we wanted to do and why that the decision-making process became easier. And that helps you when you're making a thousand decisions a day, if you focus on your why, what your priority is, then that'll help you just short-term and long-term from a decision-making standpoint. 
And now we live close to family. You know, we're both technically retired. We do, we work because we want to, and that's how we designed it. That's our extraordinary life. That's wonderful. All right, great. And then last but not least, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Absolutely. You can visit us at our website, verticalstreetventures.com, or find us on LinkedIn, um, Instagram, and Facebook. Reach out. We love talking about real estate. Hopefully you can see that. Um, But yeah, you can uh, shoot us an email if you want to chat more. All right. Awesome. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for your time and joining us today. And for those of you listening, thank you for your time as well. Please be sure to like, rate, and review the show. Let us know more of what you'd like to hear. And in the meantime, be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.